What up, what up, what up? We are back with another edition of the DNBR Rams podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I was able to catch up with NFL draft expert Jake Schwanitz earlier. We talked about Trey McBride, potential landing spots for him. There's some buzz for him potentially, I'm saying potentially, to go number 31 overall to the Cincinnati Bengals, which would be a lot of fun. Joe Shiesty with Trey McBride. I would love that. But Jake and I just went over some of the potential landing spots. We talked about the teams late in the first round that seemed like the logical destinations to keep an eye on, as well as the spots in the second round, the pros, the cons about all of those various teams. It was a lot of fun, and I know you guys are really going to enjoy the conversation. Jake is great. Go follow him on Twitter at Jake Schwanitz. Again, DNVR draft expert, one-fourth of the DNVR draft podcast, and a guy that I learn a ton from each and every week. Before we get into that interview, the NBA playoffs mean next-level basketball. Get in on the first-round action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can sign up with the promo code DNVR, bet $5 on any team to win, get $150 in free bets instantly, no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet during the first round with the same game parlay. This is where you combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, place the same game parlay each day with three or more legs. Get up to $25 back if one leg does not hit. DraftKings always giving you a shot at redemption. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of the NBA playoffs. Get $150 in free bets instantly. Again, that promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Restrictions do apply on that $5 minimum deposit. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. What's up, y'all? I am joined by Jake Schwanitz, DNVR draft expert, one-fourth of the DNVR draft podcast, and uh, a guy who I really, really value his opinion when it comes to anything draft-related. Uh, first of all, Jake, thanks for doing this. Great to have you on the Rams pod again. And uh, it should be fun. We're going to talk about Trey McBride, a guy whose game we really like a lot, a guy who we've been following, obviously, for a couple of years now. But I just I wanted to get your opinion because, you know, obviously, the fact that he's a DNVR athlete, a CSU guy, uh, I'm, you know, pretty close to the situation. I'm, I'm very much, you know, rooting for him to end up in the best possible fit. And so I kind of wanted to just bounce some thoughts off you, get your opinion on, you know, where the best fits for him would be. Before we get into that, though, I do kind of just want to go over the basics with Trey as a prospect, kind of what stands out to you about him, uh, what why teams really like him, you know, potentially why he may not go in the first round, like what you would hold against them, all that type of stuff. Uh, but yeah, the, the floor is yours. As, as far as a prospect goes, what stands out to you about Trey McBride? Yeah, well, thanks for having me back on, man. It's good to be back on Talking Rams. Um, Trey McBride is just a stud. Um, you know, watching the Rams last season and kind of doing some stuff with you, 
you know better than anyone. It was difficult at times, man. And uh, the one lone bright spot, especially on offense, is Trey McBride. Uh, just so reliable, uh, able to create big plays when the team needed him. Uh, unfortunately, he just can't put a whole football team on your back at the tight end. It's just the way it is with the position. Uh, but just a, a relatively clean prospect. Um, I mean, you obviously know the route running, uh, the catch radius, the hands are all there. Um, you can block too. You know, not going to be the best blocker. Probably won't be an impact blocker in the NFL right away. Uh, but the tools are there for sure. And then, uh, you know, just on the negative sides, there's really not too many. I mean, you could say he's not an elite athlete, uh, which is something that probably will be a reason some teams will hold back on selecting him in the first round. Uh, but he's just an overall, just a solid prospect, uh, no true weaknesses in his game. Uh, so because of that, he's going to be a top 40, possibly first round player. We'll get into it. That's the thing about him is he's just, you know, that he's going to pan out. Like, you know, he's going to be productive on the field so long as he stays healthy. And obviously, and, you know, as we saw with Jake, but, you know, coming out of Michigan, who's a guy that I think is fairly comparable in terms of prospect style. We've talked about that on the draft podcast. We don't want to even talk about injuries or any of that stuff. We don't want to put it into the, to the universe, but I get that he's not like six, six, you know, he's not Antonio Gates out there just completely overwhelming you with his size. He's not one of those former basketball players that the, the commentators love to get there. <laughs> you know, Oh, you know, this guy, basketball background, a little stick in, yeah. um, yeah. but he, he is great at going up and getting the football. He's got really good hands. Um, you know, you, you watch a lot of these guys, they're catching the football with their body. That's just not something you ever see with Trey, whether there's a defender in the picture or not. And I think that's what, to me, like you just, you want a guy that is going to pan out. Maybe just go get a guy that's really good at catching a football, plays with an attitude, and maybe not necessarily like the cleanest blocker, but has the the mindset for it, which matters more than anything. I mean, obviously you need the skill, you need the ability, but there are plenty of guys that are athletic enough to be good blockers at the next level and just choose not to, that won't be Trey. Exactly. I mean, half of blocking, honestly, is just effort and kind of putting yourself in the right place. And he does that, you know, tenfold. He's not going to be someone that's out of position, especially in the blocking game. So you can rely on him there. And like I said, he's got the tools to bring it along with him. He's not going to come in and, you know, be Rob Gronkowski, just pancaking guys on the, on the line. But um, especially in like a team, you know, with a move blocking scheme, his own blocking scheme, uh, which he's familiar with uh, it'd be a natural fit. Cause I think he moves well enough in space that as a blocker, he's not a liability, but he's got the tools. Like I said, how much do you think prospect fatigue versus I don't, I don't, I don't really guess don't know how to phrase this throughout the season. He was very consistently being forecasted as a first round pick over the last month or so. That's kind of changed. It's now, you know, anywhere between the forties to like, you know, leading up to where Denver picks it at 68. Is that just because everybody got so, you know, you, you say all the things you love about him in September, they're tired of it. And you guys have kind of caught their attention and it's recency bias and that type of stuff. Prospect fatigue. Or is it just the fact that, you know, this is a fairly like deep tight end class. It's not great, but there's a lot of guys you like that are fairly comparable and you can kind of sit on them and get them. And, and some of those other positions, you just don't have that luxury. That, that's really the only logical way to, to view it for me because it's like, he's done everything that you would hope for. He went out, he won the Mackey, killed it at the senior bowl, did well at the combine, ran a four five five forty at his pro day. Like, 
at this point, if you, if you put on the tape, he's going to kill it. If you watch him in an interview, he's going to kill it. He's a cool story. His mom's, um, you know, one of the first, I believe he's the second player ever that's going to be drafted with same sex parents. I mean, like he's just a great story, a great football player. How could his stock have decreased? That's what I need to know. Yeah, prospect fatigue for sure has played into it. I mean, we saw his stock really skyrocketing and going up throughout the season, right? And basically, once the game stopped, uh, Trey's stock kind of just went with it. Um, even though he did do well enough at the Senior Bowl, did fine enough at the Combine. Um, and the tight end class, I, th- I don't think it plays as big a factor. Really, the only guy that I think what I would even put in McBride's neighborhood is probably Greg Dulcich. Everyone else is... They're definitely significantly below. I just mean like there's a lot of guys where you're like, he's probably an NFL tight end. I think Trey McBride is, you know, like a potential all pro tight end, depending on if if he lands in the right system, all that stuff. And then we'll kind of talk about that potential offenses where he could thrive. But I don't know. It's just weird to me. And I, I do wonder if when it's all said and done, he ends up going way higher than a lot of these mocks have just because he is kind of a, a safe pick and what's kind of universally viewed as a, it's like a deep draft class, but not super top heavy. Like a lot of draft experts, you know, are really only willing to put first round grades on like 15 to 20 guys. I'm not, I doubt that Trey would be in that just based on, you know, some of the athleticism stuff, but I, it wouldn't be shocking if he went earlier, I guess, than, than people are saying is, is what I'm trying to say. I wouldn't be shocked if he was there at 68 either necessarily. Like I'd be surprised. I wouldn't be shocked though. Um, but I think he could maybe go a little bit earlier than these mocks are, are indicating. For sure. That seems to be the case uh, as we get closer to the draft, for sure. Um, also, another thing, just we've talked about the strength of this draft class really being you know, the edges, the tackles, the receivers. And I think that's just where the first round is going to be focused. Uh, corner, you can throw in there, too. Um, there's probably going to be four or five guys there. So, I mean, four or five guys at those positions, that's already, you're already in the 20s there, right? So it's its going to push down those prospects. Um, you know, the Tyler Linderbaums, who are the top of a weaker kind of interior line. I'm glad class. you brought that up. It's and not then, just tight end. Like linebacker as well. I mean, we mm-hmm. love Devin Lloyd and Nicobe yep. Dean. And there's a realistic scenario in which Nicobe Dean goes second round. And that guy was as consistent as anybody in college football last year. It's just it's weird. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. So all those factors kind of play in, not to say that McBride, I mean, won't go high, but it'd be a shock, I think, to see him go anything. I don't know if you want to get into the destination stuff now, uh, but I think around 27 is really where you start to have the conversation about him. Yeah, I mean, I think if he is a first round pick, it would be it would be late. You know, you've got let's just get into it. Yeah, let's, you know, 27. Um, Why do you believe it would be 27? So Tampa picks at 27. Obviously, the Gronkowski thing is kind of looming a bit. Um, everyone expects him to come back. But, I mean, is it a guaranteed thing? Who knows? Uh, that pick could tell us a lot. Um, so I think that's really where the conversation starts. I mean, you can talk about Buffalo at 25. Um, I just think that they're happy enough with Dawson Knox right now that they won't necessarily see that as a need. Um, but after 27, I mean, you look at Green Bay. Um, maybe they are, they don't go wide receiver with that 22 overall pick their first, first rounder. Um, and maybe they still get McBride at 28, a pa- another pass catcher, uh, the chiefs with back-to-back picks. I don't think it happens. And then as you said, the Bengals, uh, that's really the spot at 31 overall that's starting to heat up here. Since or green Bay, I think just 
for me, rooting for him, I think would be the most fun just because you obviously, from a quarterback standpoint, I would throw Buffalo out there as well. Other than, well, no, you want to know what? That's changing. I was just going to say, I don't get to watch Buffalo on TV very much, but that's not going to be the case with Josh Allen being one of the the faces of the NFL anymore. So he would be on a lot. That'd be great. I just don't want to see him end up in a, you know, with one of those teams that just is a dumpster fire, you know, Houston or, you know, Miami has been kind of up and down. Although I do think there's some intriguing talent down there that they could figure it out. And I, I like their, their head coaching hire. Um, Cincinnati though would make sense. I just do wonder because they've got a pick at 63 as well. I do wonder if they're just like hoping that, you know, McBride slash Dulcich fall there. There is some smoke though with the Bengals at 31 uh, pro football talk. Most recently had Trey mocked to the Bengals at 31. Uh, Benjamin Albright said that the Bengals really love him. So I, I think if he does go first round, I think Cincinnati is the team that it ultimately is. But any of those teams that you just listed, I think would be good landing spots just from a quality quarterback. You've got receivers on the outside. He's not going to be expected to come in and be like a, you know, the best tight end in the league, putting up Kelsey type numbers. Cause again, not even those type of tight ends, Kelsey Kittles, the, the best ones that we've seen Wallers, they didn't come in and tear it up as a rookie. It's, it's a hard position to, to come in and, you know, like be a stud at. Yeah, uh, Broncos fans know all about that with no fan. I mean, they take yeah, him in the point. first round. I think it was around 20th overall. And it's almost, I, I think we talked about this at one point in the draft pod, but it's almost really hard to live up to that draft position, especially for a tight end, just because, like you said, it takes them a while usually to adjust to the game. And in Fan's case, he didn't have great quarterbacks throwing to him. So you can have these things happen. And the fan base, as you saw in Denver, was, I don't want to say they turned on fan, but you know, it was criticism for sure. And some of it was valid, but I think a lot of it was just because he was taken uh, at that spot. So maybe you worry about that with McBride. Um, you want to talk about a landing spot that maybe would be a little nerve wracking would probably be Tampa. I think because after the Brady future. happens, you don't really know exactly. So, yeah. About um, 10 days ago, I did a podcast where I just kind of, and, and it wasn't, I didn't spend like a ton of time on it. I just kind of put together a list and I was like, in my mind, these would be, you know, the top five, you know, destinations. And I did have Tampa in there, but I had them as fifth. And it's just because this year it's a perfect scenario. You're landing on a contender in a weak division with the best quarterback that's ever played and a quarterback that historically loves to lean on tight ends. So it's, it's a great spot. After that, though, they've got a ton of cap issues, which they're kind of just keep pushing year to year. Like they really designed that team to go all in and compete for the Super Bowl the last two years. And they did that. And they're kind of just pa passing the check down the line. And maybe you can do that. I don't know. Like the Rams at this point have kind of, I, I, maybe you can just keep doing it. I don't know. But I feel like at some point, you know, you're, you're going to pay, whether it's from a cap or a lack of picks or, or something like that. And then two, three years down the line, you're, you know, on a three and 14 Buccaneers team, that's absolutely terrible and has no future. Exactly. I mean, the way the NFL's worked this last off season, um, I guess you can't put them out of the running to make a move after Brady leaves, but yeah, it'd be a, a good point. It'd be a concerning spot um, on into round two early round two though. I mean, this is, there's plenty of places to go here. Uh, you look at the jets, they got two picks 35 and 38. Uh, they don't really have a tight end. Same with the giants at 36. Uh, Houston, if they just wanted to go best player available at 37, um, I don't think there's many players better than Trey McBride that would be available at 37 if he made it there. 
Um, and you know, you can go on and on down this list. Um, so there's, there's plenty of places. I just looking at it now, man, it just looks more daunting that I, we got to give up the, the Broncos Trey McBride dream. Cause I just don't it's think it's not going to happen. It's the just, there's the too many teams where he would make sense in the second round. And like, if, if Denver had a pick in the early fifties or something, maybe, but it's 68, well, if, if 40 overall. If they didn't trade that pick to Seattle, good point. If they still had 40, play. then I would probably be like, that's what I would be hoping for at this point. Um, yeah, like it feels like a pipe dream. And while I would love to see Denver trade up for him, I would say if he was still there and you know, you get to like 52, 53, I would consider trading up for him just because I think he is that good. But we've talked about this on the draft pod with the needs that Denver has at linebacker and edge and corner and defensive tackle. And there's just going to be an intriguing option there. If you stay put that it, it feels very unrealistic for Denver to trade up at this point and go get a tight end, especially when you like Alberto. Sure. And, you know, maybe there's just something that they kind of kick the can down the road on that too. They just tied in in the future years um, because I think they would be fine. And, you know, maybe they do pick up one of these later guys, but yeah, we, we got to give up the dream, unfortunately, I think. All right, we'll get right back to that conversation with Jake in a second, but I got to tell you guys about Ripple, a fast-acting dissolvable clinically proven to hit two times faster than the leading gummy. Ripple starts absorbing within 10 minutes, so you can depend on a consistent experience every time. With Ripple dissolvables, you can make anything inedible. It's flavorless, it's a dissolvable powder. You can even put it right on your tongue. Ripple products come in a variety of doses, so you can get whatever experience you're looking for. No sketchy science here. Ripple's speed and absorption were studied by Colorado State University co-rams in a randomized placebo-controlled trial with real people, and the results were published in a peer-reviewed journal. You can trust it. This isn't some sketchy edible you got from a dude, you know, brownie that may or may not have just an insane amount and send you to space. If you're looking just for a nice mellow experience, you can get that. If you're looking to get obliterated, you can also get that. Where can you find Ripple? At Colorado's premier dispensary, Lightshade, with 11 convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. Uh, they just opened the Barnum location one block off of 6th Avenue in Federal. This is the biggest Lightshade store. They have specialty products not offered at other locations. And what's awesome is if you go to lightshade.com and you use the code DNVR, you're going to get 25% off non-sale items that is at the Barnum location or any of the Lightshade locations around Denver or Aurora. That's an insane deal that I want to make sure you take advantage of. Again, go to lightshade.com, use that code DNVR so they know that we sent you. Get 25% off, guys. This isn't 10%, not 5%, 25%, one-fourth of your order off non-sale items at Colorado's premier dispensary location, Lightshade. All right, all right, all right. Like I said, we're going to get right back to that conversation with Jake. Real quick, want to give you my DraftKings pick of the week. And I am going with Trey McBride to be the first tight end selected at minus 450. Guys, I know that, you know, not necessarily the, the sexiest bet. Parlay it with something, though. He is going to be that first tight end picked. Parlay it with, you know, an Avs money line. Maybe you figure the Nuggets can hang with the Warriors tonight. We shall see. Either way, the one thing I do know, Trey McBride, best tight end in college football, best tight end in America, and as Vegas tends to believe, will be the first tight end off the board at minus 450. But that's my DraftKings pick of the week. Lock it in. Trey McBride, first tight end drafted. 
Where uh, where would be the the most ideal fit? And just this is kind of your gut. I know you haven't like put. It's not like you dove into it. You know, we're looking at everybody's offense, how much they use the tight ends, that type of stuff. But when I when I think, obviously, like Brady, just because he uses tight ends, but long term, not really a great scenario. Uh, Kansas City, I feel like, would be a really good fit. One, just because Travis Kelsey, he's getting to a, that point where it's kind of it's hard for tight ends, you know, to keep it up. We'll see. He's already kind of a not an anomaly in that sense, doing what he's done so consistently over a half decade. Mm-hmm. But I think that'd be a good spot. They could use another playmaker, but I think receivers probably more of a focus for them. Uh, but I'm going to say Pittsburgh Steelers. He just feels like a Steelers tight end, <laughs> like a Heath Miller, you know, physical. I think he's a, a, a more versatile pass catcher than Heath Miller was, but he's a guy that had a really nice career and I could see him being a great fit there, especially long-term. Yeah, looking around the top 45 here, um, I don't hate the Jets, honestly. I think that that's a team that might be coming up a bit, especially Zach Wilson. I think he's one of the biggest kind of make-the-leap candidates heading into this next year after how he ended uh, last season. I like the Uh, Jets better than the Giants. I'll say that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, you don't want to – just so much turbulence going on there. They're probably – I mean – they may load up on weapons just to say like, Hey, Daniel Jones, this is like your last real shot. So there is a shot. And that's what there, worries again, me. That's why like at 36, yeah. like I could totally see him being a, a giants target, but I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. I, I do like Dable a lot. And I think that he would really know how to use McBride. Like he brought the best out of Josh Allen. Like I, I could see a scenario where he really comes up with some creative ways to get McBride in the backfield and stuff like that. But I don't know that the giants just scare me given that you don't know what's going to happen with Saquon. You don't know what's going to happen at quarterback. You don't know what's going to happen at receiver. Now they're talking about potentially trading Tony. It's just seems like it's chaos all over the place. Right. I throw out Cleveland at 44. Also, Um, you know, they've had some drama with David and Joku, a lot of trade rumors and stuff circling. Um, I, I don't, I can't remember if they re-signed him or not, but you know, with Deshaun there now, obviously it's an upgrade at quarterback. Um, and that's a team also, I mean, they brought in Amari Cooper, but in terms of the receiving court, it's quite weak. So, uh, that'd be another way to address their pass catchers at 44 being at Trey McBride. That's the, I think that's a solid spot. Cleveland. Yep. I could see it. I I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. I saw a report that said they were potentially going to franchise tag and joke, but that doesn't really make sense because he hasn't produced enough to justify mm-hmm. paying him top. That's a, again, another tight end that went early and hasn't really lived up to the, exactly. the hype. So it's mm-hmm. just something to consider. Um, I think Cleveland would be a good fit, especially with you, you get a mobile quarterback uh, like Deshaun Watson. Obviously, that's a whole weird situation that we're not commenting on. You know, we're, we don't need to get into the, you know, the politicalness of all of that. It's, it's a wonky deal. Doesn't look great on the Browns. I will say that. Um, don't love what they did with the contract, but. On I the just football I, side, I, Stefanski. Yes, exactly. Stefanski has like a rollout kind of zone guy. It's a fit. It, it would be really well. I, I think he'd fit well in Baltimore. Again, I, I don't see Baltimore prioritizing a tight end just because you have Mark Andrews, one of the best in the game. But I think it's a, a system mm-hmm. in which he could be very effective. Um, but I'm going to say Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and uh, Green Bay would be the top three places I'd root for him to land outside of Denver, obviously. But Again, we kind of feel that that's a pipe dream. It's just not really going to happen. Yeah, man. Uh, looking at it here, I mean, 
I really can't see him sliding past like 52, 53, uh, 52 with the Steelers, 53 with Green Bay. So they'd have a second chance at him if they don't go earlier. Um, Chiefs at 50 also. So those would, of course, be the most ideal. I think it could work with the Jets. Um, you just don't want to see him go to a, a Giants, a Chicago, um, an Atlanta even. That's just something where I don't want to say he goes there. It's basically his football career dies, but it's just it's a lot of dire straits in those places right now. I will say like in the NFL, it's not quite as drastic. I mean, there are a couple of teams where, you know, Detroit just feels like a, a spot, you know, where you're just destined to fail. But, you know, Cincinnati felt like that for a long time. I know they had a, a lot of playoff yeah. appearances, but no playoff wins. And now all of a sudden they turn it around. It's not quite as bad in the NBA as it is in the NBA. I feel like in the NBA, there are teams like Sacramento that have just for like 30 straight years, you know, it's just right. like, well, you don't have a shot. I know they in the early two mm-hmm. thousands they had a little bit of a run there, but you you guys know what I mean. Like there there aren't a ton of teams like that in the NFL, but there are a few, and uh, hopefully hopefully he avoids them. Thank you for doing this. It's always fun to talk about Trey. Uh, before I let you go here, I did kind of just want to get your a couple of last second thoughts on on the draft. We did do our final mocks ago and and check that out. It's available right here in the DNVR Rams feed. Who uh? What is your who do, who? Does your gut say Denver is taking at 68? We'll assume they they pick at 68 and don't trade up. Well, we actually talked about today on the DNVR Sports Podcast that trading down is probably a, a very realistic possibility. But if they do sit there at 68, who's your gut say that they take? Oh, man. I think uh, cornerback. I think uh, McCreary or Woolen would be the targets for me. Maybe linebacker two after that. But... um. If you ask me, I think cornerback's the biggest weakness. I think that's an area of strength with this class, especially where the Broncos are picking near the end of the second round. Uh, so that's what I would, if I had to put money on it, that's what I would do. I like it. I was the only one that went corner and uh, on my projection this morning. I actually, Great I went with Kobe Bryant, like, Cincinnati corner, just because I, I kind of feel like Woolen is going to go a little higher than people think because he's got the size and he runs a 4-3. Like somebody's just going to fall in love with that. And again, like McCreary ended up falling in our mock too, but I think especially if Stingley goes three and then you have Stingley and Sauce both go top 10, it's just going to kind of make a run on corners in the first round. And then all of a sudden, you know, all those picks kind of go up. Do you like Kobe Bryant? Where are you at with him? I know he's, he's a little bit raw. I like his physicality though. And I felt like he's a guy that played really well in the college football playoff. Yeah. I mean, he's got the size, got the length, um, you know, he's kind of got that physicality to him. He's not afraid to use that length and uh, size and try to, um, you know, antagonize the line through the route. Exactly. Too much at times. Um, so you got to worry about the penalties, but yeah, he's fine. I think uh, he's really kind of been elevated into this conversation for sure. Um, you know, not the best athletically, which is what or athletic score wise, which is probably why he's in this conversation, but there's a solid group around here. I mean, Martin Emerson, a guy from Mississippi State's a guy I've talked about a bit too. Um, Mario Goodrich today, the Clem- the other Clemson corner, aside Andrew Booth, just got cleared. Um, I guess he had a, uh, an issue that popped up at the senior bowl. He got hurt. And uh, so he's cleared there. He's probably going to be in the conversation too. So uh, it's just a deep class, man. I- I'd be happy with a number of these guys, honestly. Where are you at? Just real quick with Derek Stingley. We don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but you know, the, the, DraftKings, the, the betting favorite right now for it to go one, two, three is Trevon Walker one, Aiden Hutchinson two, Derek Stingley three to Houston. 
is that what you think is going to happen? One, two, three, that way. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, I mean, look, the Stingley rise is, I don't want to say it's surprising. I mean, it's kind of something you heard about all, um, it's all year. That- when we talked about his flaws, we were like, when you, his 2019 tape, his potential ceiling is so high that it's just not going to matter. It's all projection. Same reason Trevon Walker is probably going to go over Hutchinson and Thibodeau, despite being significantly less proven. It's all projection. It almost kind of reminds me of Genevieve Clowney, whereas like if Stingley just declared, if he, if it was possible for him to declare after that freshman season, he probably does. And he probably goes top 10 still. So oh, um, yeah, he, I think he's goes top three, top five that year. Oh yeah, for sure. So, and he's going to be in that conversation here too. I mean, I think a lot of people are kind of, as the boards get settled and everything, you just naturally start to ask yourself the question, like, who do you see being a better pro, you know, three, four, five years down the line? Um, Stingley's got the background athletically. He's got the speed. He's an LSU defensive back. He's just got so much working in his favor that he's bound to really go top five, top three at this point. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. It would scare me to death having to, to draft him after watching the last couple of years. But I do think it's at least fair to mention that LSU after that national championship year was, you know, kind of a dumpster fire and there was a lot of talent out there, but it was, mismanaged and they played really chaotically. It was just a a weird deal altogether. Before we go, I I did kind of want to get your thoughts on Carson Strong. Just he's a Mountain West guy, obviously. And with the Nevada staff coming over to CSU, I think there's going to be a particular interest in him and how he pans out. Um, Obviously some questions about his, his health and, you know, coming off the knee injury, his mobility was significantly limited the last year or so. Also had a knee injury in high school, which is an even bigger concern when you have, you know, the, the repeated history of it. Dude can sling the hell out of a football, though. Is he a guy that you think in the right system could pan out or are you out on Carson Strong, especially just due to that limited mobility? Oh, man, I think I'm out, honestly. Um, I just think that the way the NFL is moving, just you have to be mobile. And, you know, you look at the five guys ahead of them, Willis, Pickett, Corral, Howell, and Ritter. I mean, these are all guys that can move uh, and can move pretty well for the most part, too. And so Strong just looks like such an outlier in that department. I I get it with the arm and everything. I just – he's got to go somewhere with a great offensive line. He's got to go somewhere with deep threats so you can really utilize that arm. And just the – I don't want to like uh, say he's not a smart kid and stuff, but you know, going from the air, college air raid offense to an NFL offense is a massive jump too. Uh, so even if there is kind of a, a Carson strong, uh, a hive that really gets a following and stuff in the NFL, it won't be for at least uh, maybe another year or two, I think, because I think it might take some time for him to really adjust. I'm going to say two things on that one. I think it could potentially benefit Carson. The fact that he could, you know, end up being like a third, fourth round guy. He's not going to be somebody that has massive expectations, has to come in. Maybe he ends up on a better team because of that, where it's just, you know, you're just kind of adding a QB to the room for the sake of adding a QB to the room, which is something that we see happen pretty uh, frequently at the next level. But just kind of, you know, you mentioned the air rate and, and, you know, it's, it's kind of hard for that to translate. It's a lot like, you know, People always said, don't draft Mike Leach quarterbacks. Well, Mike Leach, mm-hmm. he helped, you know, bring the air raid up with how mummy back at Kentucky back in the day. Uh, then, you know, obviously Leach goes on and does his thing. Texas tech, Washington state. Now he's at uh, Mississippi state. Sorry. It took me a second. State, there. Yeah. Uh, I was like, which Mississippi school is it? <laughs> Do, uh, 
is that worrisome for you? Just like from CSU's perspective, obviously, would you be worried about that as a fan? Like we're going to put up big numbers, but we're not going to have guys that necessarily go on and like kill it in the league. Or do you just say, fuck it? Who cares? Because we're not, we're not like in the sec. It's not like they're getting five stars anyways. So it's not like, you know, you're going against these other teams where it's like NFL and getting there is going to be like the, the, the factor that puts you over the top. To me, it's like, at least it's going to be exciting. And I don't really care if they ever send a quarterback to the league or not. 100%. I mean, look, like you said already, I mean, they're not playing the SEC. This is a Mountain West football team. If you run the air raid and you get a guy with a big arm and you get a couple of receivers that can run on the outside, you're going to put up a lot of points, especially in the Mountain West, um, regardless of who you're playing. Just tossing bombs like that. I mean, you saw Nevada do it. Um, it wins football games. You know, you uh, think of Houston back in the day with like Case Keenum, um, just dropping bombs. It wins football games in college football. Um, the defensive talent, especially in the perimeter, is a lot more uh, sparse uh, than like the SEC, ACC. So they're going to be able to take a, a advantage of that. And I'd expect a lot of points going on in Fort Collins. And I guess the caveat is, is even if you don't send any quarterbacks to the league, if you are recruiting the way CSU is right now, like Torrey Horton is going to be an NFL wide receiver. So, you know, you might get that, that wide receiver U trend back, you know, you might not necessarily be producing a, a lot of quarterbacks, but you know, it's not like CSU historically has been, you know, like a school that's sending a ton of guys to the league at QB anyways, like Kelly Stauffer, uh, Haney actually had a pretty nice career as a backup, which is weird because he was actually, he just was not that good of a college quarterback. And the fact that he went on to have as long of a backup career as he did was weird. Garrett Grayson's the complete opposite, phenomenal college quarterback. Didn't do anything in the league. Um, I don't know. I just wanted to get your perspective on that. I, I think it's always interesting. You always hear like, Nebraska, you know, and, and the reason they went away from the wishbone was ultimately eventually it started to hurt them when it came to the recruitment process because they're not sending guys to the league. I just think when you're a school like CSU, you can't really factor that in. Maybe someday, like, you know, 10 years from now, if you're winning and in another conference or something, but at this point, make it exciting and score. I think they have a chance to do that. 100% man they're going to be fun a lot more fun than they were at least uh, the past few years so uh, yeah I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking to forward them. to your film rooms and I, there were this there were some of those exactly. weeks between CSU and CU last year with you know before Lewis figured it out a little bit especially where like we had a group chat Jake Henry and I and we're like what are we going to do for the film room this week like CU scored three points and lost by 30 and CSU ran the ball 45 times for 102 yards like I, I don't even that's, know what to say. That's why we talk so much about the CSU uh, front seven this year. <laughs> so uh, hopefully, uh, you know, the air raid and uh, Jay Norvell kind of helped me out in that department. <laughs> Definitely, man. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. As always, I appreciate you hopping on here. Uh, make sure you guys go follow my guy on Twitter. Uh, what's your handle? Just add Jake Schwanitz. That's what Just I thought. I name. couldn't remember if there was an underscore in there or not. Uh, but go follow him at Jake Schwanitz. He is on the draft pod every week. He is doing some Broncos breakdown stuff for us leading up to the drafts. He'll be a part of the draft day coverage, everything. It's going to be awesome. I, I'm really looking forward to it. And again, go follow my guy, Jake. Thank you again for coming on, man. Appreciate it, man. Good to talk. Peaches out of Palestine.
flowers shade, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water together, make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I wanna be. I got blood on my shirt, like I wear my heart on my sleeve. She said I look good in red, but that went straight to my head. So now she's rocking my tees, tucked into new Prada jeans. And we ain't spoken a month, but I just saw her last week. The lipstick stain still on my cheek, like we ain't talk enough. And we always seem to laugh, but never nod at us. So the future's looking grim, it's kinda ominous. And this song ain't about love, that'd be too obvious. See, this is more about lust and all of my misconceptions. And this is more about me and all of my self-deception. I'll tell myself a lie, 100 times don't need corrections But every night I pray to God, I hope I learn my lesson And the peaches out from Palisade And they sweet as mama's marmalade And this should sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums And my mama slapped that bass, and my sister sang these songs Dancing hand in hand, we were tripping to left feet Like a middle school slow dance, no one knew how to leave But I'm so thankful for these days, they put a smile on my face Flirt with me when you're bored, that's what I'm here for Talk to me softly, till I get a little more Attached to the fact that you reply so quickly Dash and retract only when you get sick of me Sit back reminiscing back to when I got them digits I swear I need a witness of somebody quick with pinches I was out there floating, all them feelings felt indigenous To places I don't visit, heart eyes when I'm grinning Heart eyes and them emojis You said you won't be on me, I said you won't be lonely You can't count on me like a bank teller counter ain't never felt prouder never holding back don't got a front when i'm around her i want to listen more like maybe i should say less i'm not sure how to make an album this is just my best guess my best friends are producers send me beats i bump the playlist imagine all the hours ableton was stuck on repeat all for me to rap about some girls who didn't like me sb 404s and stupid bars all wrote on loose leaf i wait a lot on promises that sound like maybes my contacts still just numbers but in person call me baby like why i fall in love with Every girl that wanna date me Introspective but scatterbrained on the daily I'll make a tape with the homies and rap the same thing I know it's just rhymes but it sounds like everything And the peaches out from Palisade And they sweet as mama's marmalade And this shit sound like summer days The windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies My daddy play the drums And my mama slapped that bass And my sister sang these songs Dancing hand in hand We were tripping to left feet Like a middle school slow dance No one knew how to leave But I'm still thankful for these days They put a smile on my face